This is the Men's Room Podcast, where relief is your duty, and your innate self is always welcome. I'm your host, Ish Mendoza, and I am delighted that you stopped by. On this episode, we had a good friend of mine stop by the studio to have a conversation in person, a fellow dad, an entrepreneur, an all-around good guy, Jacob Cross. We'll be digging into some pretty intense topics like mental health and therapy and a lot of other good stuff. So without further ado, let's get into it. So uh, we're rolling. This okay. is the uh, Men's Room Podcast, and uh, it's a little awkward because this is our very first in-person live chat. So you're going to hear all the clankings of the ice in the cups and go. everything else that comes Guilty. in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm here with uh, with Jacob Cross, a uh, really, really good friend of mine, owner and operator of Pools Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to let you tell me a little bit about who you are. Like, what what are the things that make you, you? Oh, uh, I don't really like talking about myself, so it's not always the easiest thing to do, but... Um... You know, like you said, the, the number one thing um, that most people ask is, what do you do for a living? So I am a, a pool service owner and operator. I do that with my wife, Lauren, and we've been uh, in business for about five years now. Slowly moving out of the service side of things and more into kind of construction repairs and uh, programming of equipment and whatnot. So specializing in certain aspects of the pool industry. And then um, outside of that, I am a husband, a father of two kids a five-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl and that's uh absolutely probably the brings me the most joy in life being around them and hanging out with them and family time um and then yeah just involved in church um do some bible study stuff try to hang out with friends as much possible and kind of let that define who i am yeah you know it's a it's a very necessary service and industry in the central valley where we're at because it's hot boy it's hot yep I wanted to talk also about um, what do you remember about the time that you and I met? How do you how do you remember us meeting, and what was that like? What was the situation or circumstances? Oh yeah, no, that I remember that clearly. Um, so I had actually um, just found out pretty much that we were pregnant with our first son, and really excited about that. But trying to you know you try to keep it a secret for a while just to make sure everything holds up and you're not jumping the gun too early on things. But yeah. Uh, I got the first ultrasound and um, I didn't want it to crinkle. And so the only thing I had in my car at the time was my Bible. So I put it in the pages so it wouldn't crinkle. And then when we got to church that Sunday, I had forgotten to take it out. So it was just with me. I was like, all right, I'm showing everybody. <laughs> and so I just went around showing people. I'm like, look at this. Look at this handsome little boy in there. And uh, I remember you were, I think you were prepping coffee. And I was running rounds for security or something like that. And at came a, in there. At and, a former church. Yeah, former yeah. church. And, uh, yeah, you're standing there and you're like, dude, I, I heard you're having a baby. And I was like, yeah, look at this picture. And you're like, that's awesome. And then you said, but don't tell anybody, but my wife's pregnant too. And I was like, oh shoot. <laughs> so yeah, that's, we just kind of hit it off from there. And I just think it's funny, you know, we've talked several times over the, the last five or six years that we've known each other. It's like, there's a lot of things we don't have in common and you wouldn't think you'd be friends with people, but you know, you open it up for one, one situation, one conversation like that. And it turns out you can uh, look past a lot of the indifferences and, and find common ground on a lot of things. And that's just kind of how our friendship began. Yeah. You, you, uh, you made a great point though. Like the way we first initially started our friendship by a common ground and then 
once the the layers start unraveling themselves, you kind of find out the differences that we have, uh, but also like the the many similarities to all these things. And I think that's a lot of uh, what's one of the beautiful things about actually taking the time to get to know people is that once you start really getting to know them, you can find out how similar you are, even if you maybe wouldn't have given a chance to someone based on whatever reason, you know, like yep. appearance or political affiliation and all these other things. And so, yeah, thanks for, thanks for taking a chance. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm just glad you were pregnant when I was. <laughs> well, our wives. Yeah. That's another thing is like, I, I like, uh, I, I always said it and, and many people always say that is we're pregnant and they always include them, but you know, the wives, they, they do the hard part. So yeah, we do the fun part. They do the hard part. Yeah, exactly. But don't get me wrong. I mean, I try to make up for it with, uh, you know, taking the night shift once the baby actually comes and doing the diaper changes and everything you can that, you know, we can sure. biologically. Uh, I'm going to get into a little bit more of your story, but okay. I just kind of wanted to set the table a little bit about, you know, who you are. And so as a part of this, the the podcast, especially when there's a guest, I wanted to have this sort of segment that we call weapon of choice. And so I asked you ahead of time um, about something that you're, that you fancy these days or something you're into. And uh, I brought a, a mead. I know that that was something that you had uh, talked about having an interest in. I don't know much about meads, but I actually uh, I did a little bit of digging and I found a, uh, this is called a Bunratty mead and it's a uh, Irish medieval nice. mead. <laughs> it's going to have a lot of honey flavors to it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I kind of did some digging around and I, 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 I think of it, when I think of the word mead, I think of like the uh, medieval times or like a bar wench that serves the, the mead, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, like honestly, it, it kind of stems from that, you know. They back back then, uh, it wasn't as safe to drink just regular water, so a lot of times it was right. distilled, you know, with alcohol Cause, to make cause, it safer. Yeah, because you could travel with that. Like that's yeah. how they like did their excursions and stuff like that too. They would they would have you know stuff that fermented over time and, and things, and it, it helped you know have something to drink. So a mead is a Renaissance-era alcoholic beverage made of fermented honey, like you mentioned. So it's commonly thought of as a honey wine or a honey beer, but I found that mead is actually neither. It's a, It falls into its own category of alcohol. So that's the uh, that's the background of what I did in a quick Google search for, uh, for what mead is. I'm going to... Uh, Imagine if you didn't have Google. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Imagine like... Back in the day, did you ever have to do this where you you uh, actually like did research for a school project or something, and you had to go like to the library, check out a book, do like research independently like that, or, or were oh. you too young to? No, have no, to no. I I had to do that. I had to go into the library, and then you had your um like your table of contents that you'd find the card for the right. section, and then you'd have to go to that section and find the book you wanted, or at least a book on the topic you're looking for. But yeah, I can recall a time where. The uh, even the way you cite uh, a source changing from like they had to kind of put parameters around how you found it on a website. And I remember early on, it's like, um, I guess that's how you cite it, you just have to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but let me pour you a little bit here, sure. It just smells good. Nothing sounds more enjoyable than the sound of liquid being poured into a glass. Yeah, I actually was it has hoping to be a glass, get... <laughs> can't, it can't be like a styrofoam cup or anything else, it's exactly be a glass. I mean. Styrofoam cups have its place in, in the alcohol game, but... I've gotten so bougie that I pour my canned beers into a glass now before I drink them. Cheers. Cheers. Prost or salud. Do you have a, do you have a, a way you've, you've historically said cheers or anything? 
bottoms up. <laughs> <laughs> that's one. There's a Spanish one that's uh, uh, arriba, abajo, al centro, adentro. It's like, yeah, like to the left, to the right, to the front, to the back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> to the window of the wall? Yeah, to the window to the wall. <laughs> um, no, yeah, so, so yeah, that's that's a part of the, the, the weapon of choice for today. Man, this is delicious, actually. It is. Yeah. So what what have you have you had any good meads lately, or are you just like that came to you? And- you know, I don't get them very often. They're kind of more of a treat. One, they're 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 pretty strong in alcohol content, so it's yeah. not really one you uh, you would necessarily drink and then go drive home afterwards. It's a it's a slow sipper for sure. <laughs> it's a slow sipper. It's also one that I think is a good end cap. So if you, um, I know oh, we yeah. went out and had those flights of beers at the, the one place that doesn't pay for promotion. So we won't mention it, <laughs> but, uh, but maybe they will. Yeah. Out yeah. of the barrel. Yep. Maybe Fresno, California, <laughs> but we did a couple flights of beer and then, um, they had a, a, a rotating mead. And so we, we ended on that one and it just, it hits different than the beer. So it's kind of a nice end as long as you can, uh, pace yourself accordingly yeah i went on a bit of a rabbit hole when i uh when i was doing some research for the meet and i saw a guy that was actually um like brewing it and he 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 had it down pretty much to a science but he had an eight minute video that kind of explained it and it's similar to like the way home brewers do their beers they put in a carboy and they add yeast to make it ferment but um obviously the 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 thing that ferments is the honey so the honey actually has a very distinct taste but if if you leave it with just the initial like fermentation process for the honey, it'll take away the flavor of the honey. So he actually added honey to it afterwards, and that continued to keep the flavor. So it was like a honey base that fermented, but a honey flavor added in addition to it. Makes it sweet. Yeah, exactly. I think I like it too. It's just a smoother drink. Um, you know, you're not super strong in uh, the alcohol burn like you would with a whiskey or a tequila. Right. Um, but you're not as bubbly as you would be with a, you know, a champagne or a beer or, a, uh, you know, everyone's favorite, the white claws these days. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's also, I mean, it, it's great because as a guy, you can still like keep your, your man card and have a, yep. a nice mead, but you know, literally they know it's a, it's a very honey based flavored, flavorful yep. drink. Yep. Yep. Um, we talked about the citation source when writing papers, but your story is really interesting and I want to get into uh, talking a little bit about it. I know it, but I'm going to act as if I'm a person meeting you for the first time and wanted to hear your story. So you don't did, you go did, into teaching. <laughs> okay. That's a good disclaimer. You didn't, you didn't start off as a business owner, right? That was like, nope. uh, the, the way I think of it is when you were a kid, how did you imagine yourself as an adult? That could be career-wise or even appearance-wise or anything like that. Was there something that you envisioned as a kid or did you not put into any thought as a kid? To uh, I thought I'd be a lot thinner, you know. <laughs> Same. But Same. Uh, no, when I, when I reflect back and just kind of what I wanted to be as an adult, um, I think the only really big things that I thought about was I wanted to be a husband and I wanted to be a father. Um, outside of that, I didn't have necessarily a job career or like a, a passion that would, um, you know, lead to income. So there wasn't anything specific, but I know as I was going through high school, I was doing sports, um, starting to get really good at water polo. So, um, went into college playing water polo and then, um, yeah, if you're going to base your whole life around a sport you know, pick one you can actually make money at because water polo basically ends at the collegiate level. And there's, there's not much more you can do at that point other than coach. Although 
it's probably a better opportunity to get a scholarship because it's a less competitive, like a, you know, saturated sport that, that you can potentially get. Generally speaking, with the water polo community is like they're straight A students. They they earn high scholarships. So it actually really is good for um, getting yourself into college and going that path and having fun while you're doing all that. But Plus that um, plus that water polo bod. Yeah, yeah. I used to be thin, see? <laughs> you, I, used to, I used to have that V. You, you have to look a certain way if you're going to be rocking a Speedo. You know, you gotta, I'm just saying, when I tell people I used to wear a Speedo and they look at me now, like, that's gross. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, of course, you know, you have to maintain this. Th- but you know, yeah, actually, I actually found my old college Speedo the other day uh, and right before we went to a beach trip. So I, I threw it on real quick in front of the wife and she's like, you should wear that when you serve pools. I was like, yeah, not, no chance. <laughs> Only for the bedroom, honey. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm trying to get more clients, not scare them away. You know, I, uh, ironically, I, I don't, you're, you're, it's, it's crazy. I'd never, never played water polo, never did that. Even, you know, even in passing, I didn't really know any water polo players from high school, but as in adulthood, I've strangely just like encountered other people that are like water polo players. So for example, I, um, used to work with a, a girl who's from originally from Seattle and, um, she moved to Barcelona, Spain to, uh, to be with her, her now fiance, who is uh, a professional water polo player. And so they, they both played in a professional league there. Oh yeah. In Spain. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in the, you know, European countries, it's a pretty big sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Serbia and Croatia, it's like their national sport. So over there, there's definitely avenues to, to play professionally. And, um, it just involves a lot though, you know, for us to, to move out of state, move away from family. Yeah. Um, you know, I was also starting to date my wife at the time that I was wrapping up, you know, college. So I was like, all right, you know, do I want to uproot and lose we'll that connection? Yeah, let's go to Serbia, Lauren. That'll be fun. <laughs> I'm sure there's pools that service over there, but for sure, yeah. you'd have to learn a new language and be a part of a different culture and all that stuff too. You know, I'm all for taking risks. Like, don't get me wrong, but um, risks that uh, involve traveling away from your connections and your your networking. They just don't seem wise. For sure. But, uh, you know, for other people it works out or maybe they have connections that they would work out for them if they moved. It just wasn't my cards. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. So there, there's there's a lot of the people that, you know, they don't have much of like a root or a foundation um, here, either locally or, or, you know, a reason to stick around. And so it gives a, a really good opportunity to have a clean slate and move. Uh, even the, the timeline of your life, maybe you're fresh out of college or you know a young person and kind of trying to find yourself and stuff too but when you when you get to a certain age and you start valuing things i i you know you know my story a little bit too but like for me i uh i was a a aimless wanderer for for a long time and kind of trying to find myself too but because i'm so close to my family because i have you know such roots with with uh, the people i love here it always uh it always brought me back to fresno even though i went on a bit of a journey too but so like this is this is the community that we have around us and and now in in fatherhood and in, in parenthood, man, you value that so much. You know, oh yeah, having, having family to help. Watch Once the you start a family, sure. man, you need support, and it doesn't matter if it's a biological family or just a, a church group or um, you know good friends. It doesn't doesn't matter who it is. Uh, you know they say it takes a village to raise a kid, and it's pretty true. You yeah, can do, you can do all you want, and uh, you know, but you're so blinded by your own desire to be a good father and your own desire to raise your kids up right that sometimes 
it takes a, a second set of eyes outside of your house to, to point out maybe a flaw or a, a, a pivot that you can make to better parent and correct your kids? Yeah. You know, it's it's a ironic, or maybe ironic's not the right word to it, but um, you, you haven't yet heard this is a uh, inside baseball here but you haven't yet heard the uh the episode. again <laughs> no no <laughs> god no <laughs> no you haven't heard episode number one um which is a solo episode that i that i put out um because it's not published yet but episode number one um it, i i talked about community and so basically that that is yeah there's oftentimes where you need to seek that out or you're just kind of involved in, in a natural community depending yep. on, I'm sure there's even like layers to that. Like there, there might be, you talked about your vendors and stuff for pool, pool things. You, mm-hmm. you probably encounter people that are, you know, in that community as well. Yeah, we got, I mean, when I look at it, you know, there's probably about seven or eight different communities that I belong to. Um, and you know, some are very specific to work related things and some are very specific to just friendships. Some have to do with, you know, the church that we go to. Um, and so you kind of have those circles and, yeah, when you run into tough times or you're struggling with something, it's always nice to know that if you belong to a community, that there's someone you can reach out to. Uh, I know, sure. I know for work specifically, you know, there's always someone I can call when I'm having issues, and it's like they've oh, seen it before. Or yeah, something. yeah, they've seen it, or they they know the answer, or um, maybe it's not even something that I can do. It's like it's broken, but they're like, "No, oh, I got one of those. I'll send it over to you." Yeah. So there's just things like that that help out, and then you know, community of and just our regular life stuff. It's nice to, to be able to get a date night here and there. It's nice to, um, you know, my brother has a lot of kids and, um, his mother-in-law has opened up their house a lot for swimming and things like that. So I know my kids and and wife get to go enjoy that while I work, but yeah, it's good to know that they get to be around their cousins and have that kind of community and support. Yeah. You know, some of the communities that we, that we are involved in are by choice. And then some of them are just by, by nature or location or circumstance. I, I, I was seeing, um, I, I did a deep dive into like the types of communities. Um, this is kind of be, be a kind of a repeat on that too, but I, I won't harp, harp on it too much, but essentially, you know, there are people that are, you know, victims of like, there's a community that was built for victims of like the hurricane Katrina disaster, you know, yep. they all like came together and they, they started this community. So circumstantially, they had to develop this community by necessity, but also just like as well, they, they had to, they all experienced some, something similar together too. So, so yeah, community is, is super important. And yeah, as you, as you kind of navigate the different, you know, phases of your life, seasons of your life, it, uh, it becomes it becomes a really necessary and and beautiful thing, honestly. Yep. Um, okay, you mentioned something, and I want to I want to dig into that a little bit. So we, at the top, we talked about our our church that we used to go to. Um, I'm not going to get into that church specifically, but I'm going to get into the church, the capital C church. Sure. Um, you know, you and I are, are both believers, and it. I don't want to speak on your behalf, but how how does your belief or how does your so a lot of the things that I, I would say is I, I I I've come across a lot of people that are not necessarily Christians or or you know don't have a uh, a religious background so I've been asking kind of the question just naturally of like what's your north star what's the thing that angers you like what what do you what do you what do you default to or what do you go back to what about what about for you as a as a believer how does that like shape your identity and who you are yeah you know um 
and maybe you'll ask this later too. I don't know, but you gave me that list of questions to kind of ponder over. And, I uh, did. <laughs> you had one that said, what's your motto? And I was thinking about that. Like, I don't have a life motto, but what I have is the Bible. And, um, as I read through it and I'm struggling with certain things in life, certain seasons, um, you know, God always gets me to the right verse that kind of provides that hope for that situation. And so, um, I usually write them on the mirror or something. And that's just what I, what I focus on because that becomes my mindset when I wake up. You know, reading the Bible verse doesn't necessarily solve the problem, but it does help me to realign my thinking and put my trust in God. So that's that's mainly what I do um, as a North Star. I turn to God yeah. and allow Him to work at me and, and change me and transform me. Yeah, and it's kind of ongoing, right? I mean, Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm far from perfect. I wish I was, but, you know. You're not perfect? What? No. <laughs> no ask my wife. <laughs> She can give me a whole list of things. I'm sure that that uh, that she'll just rattle off for off the top of the head. Like, where do I start? You know. No, she's really good. She's uh, she's very gracious. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, the, the Bible has always been that that grounding factor for me. It reminds me of what's important, and it helps me keep my mindset, um, you know, focused. Because the world's crazy. I mean, there's a lot going on out right. in the world. Um, not just like politically but spiritually and relationally and from state to to local levels like there's just a lot of things that go on that are uh, absolutely crazy when you sit down and think about it but uh, you can sit there and fixate on that and and live a life of fear and anxiety or you can meditate on God's word and then use that as a refuge to say you know what Um, that is the world that's what the world has to offer yeah and we can engage in that or we can pull ourselves kind of back from that and kind of sit back and watch the craziness and provide hope for people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. The, um, one of the questions that I've been kind of like, just like digesting or chewing on these days is just like, how do I, how to explain a set of beliefs or religion to someone that maybe doesn't even have a foundation of that. And, it's it's crazy because I I I, always, I often think about like all the circumstances. Speaking of circumstantial uh, groups and communities and things like that, you know we we had the luxury of of being born into a kind of a culture around us. But I always think about like even something as small as you know we were born in California. What would it what would my life be like if I was born on the East Coast? You know like you know what what would that what would be different? Um, you'd have a better accent. Yeah, for sure. A Boston accent, man, that'd be good. That'd be wicked smart. <laughs> <laughs> or like a New York accent. I can't even do it. I, 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 I mean, I, I love East coast hip hop. And so I was always like admir- uh, admiring the, 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 like the East coast guys, like the New yep. York guys and yep. stuff. But I, I could never like emulate that, that, um, that accent that we did. Like, you know, they would always say stuff like, uh, when they, when they were talking about coffee, it's coffee. And, uh, like when they say her, it's like, Give 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 it to her, it's her. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not even gonna try. I'm on, I'm on a recording here. <laughs> yeah. We'll play around with accents afterwards. <laughs> All you can do is a Scotch accent, but uh, not even. <laughs> maybe maybe a couple of whiskeys in. You can. Hey, you this can is drink. my urinate self, so <laughs> I gotta stick with my voice. <laughs> there you go. No, but but basically, what I was thinking is, is like you know, circumstantially, like I I um one time I have I have a friend that um I used to work with who's a um. He was a Muslim and um, 
he he really enlightened me to a lot of like his kind of cultural like beliefs. I was really interested. I always ask him a lot of questions and stuff too. But like he was born in uh, in a different country, and so in his country, like that was a, a predominant you know religion. And so yep. for us here being in the U.S., it's like you know there's a better chance of us to be being Christians uh, statistically than it is to have a different religion in that way too. But like, yeah, it's an interesting way because it's, I, I, I still choose to believe the way I believe. And there's, you know, certain events and things that have happened to me personally that, that have solidified that. But yeah, I'm just like, I'm always curious about like, what, what, is, what is your, what is your thoughts about that? Like what, what if you were born into a different sort of lifestyle? Like how would, how would you be able to navigate that? Or do you, do you feel like. Well, I've been actually contemplating this uh, thought a lot lately because of the topic of election mm. and whether or not um, we come to God or he comes to us kind of thing and uh, free will versus, you know, predestination. Yeah. And uh, as I really dig into different verses, um, it, it just seems to me that like God's the one that's going to do the work in the heart and then we respond. So it shouldn't matter where you're born. It shouldn't matter you know, the circumstances that come across, like if God opens your heart and your, your ears to hear what he has to say, then it's going to happen. And then you choose to respond. But, uh, you know, cause I was thinking about the way that like semantics mean a lot to me being mm -hmm. a former English teacher and people always talk about like, you know, it's what I did in my faith. It's my faith It's my faith. And I was thinking to myself, like the Bible's pretty clear about it. It's not us. It's God doing all the work. And so we don't do God's work. We are just a testament of his work. Uh -huh. And so we're, we're byproducts or like, you know, that we're, yeah, yeah. we get, we get a share in the glory of his work, which yeah. is cool, but there's nothing that we can do individually to further his work. It's, it's him in us doing the work. And so, um, you know, talking about the different scenarios, different places, um, the last I heard, the fastest growing church right now is over in Iran, which is one of the most prosecuted places for Christians. And so you're saying that, like, you know, if I was somewhere else, maybe I wouldn't have this belief. But God's going to grab a heart, a hold of the heart of the person that he wants. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it it, it literally is is uh, more of a, uh, a direct choice at that point because you're not culturally influenced by things around you, too. But I, I don't know enough about election and and, and um, predestination. Predestination. Um, I, I, I'm I don't not know well anything either. I'm just, I'm just wrestling with it. <laughs> yeah, but but that's always an interesting thought to me because it's it's almost like you know the 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 whole the age old you know story is that did we even choose this life or is is this life already chosen and already written for us? And if so, like what's the point of free will then, you know, what's the point of us yeah. even having a choice or, you know, making choices every day? You know, I was um, going back a little bit in the conversation, uh, thinking about like most people accept the, the Jewish religion. You know, if someone's a Jew, they could be a Jew by birth or they could be a Jew by faith. And or cultural, cultural. Yeah, media. yeah, and that's kind of like the only, I think, faith and you know, um, cultural crossover that we all accept as normal. But the reality is that you know the same thing happens here in the U.S. There's a lot of people who 
um, you know, we'll say they're Catholic, they're born Catholic, they're baptized as babies, but they don't practice the Catholic faith. Right. And um, I would even go further to say that there's a lot of people out here that would say that they're Christians because they're born into a Christian home. But when you really look at the, the fruit that they produce, you could say, okay, these people are not followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to totally like, go out of a uh, like a theological thought and go with like very surface level thought we're we're watching peaky blinders i don't know if you've ever seen oh, that yeah. show yep but uh there's a there's a we're still in season we're just we just started season two but uh there's a part where um he he was asking the girl he says like you know you're you're a, you're a good little catholic girl he makes the assumption and then she she doesn't respond to that right away and he's like oh don't tell me you're a protestant <laughs> but it, it was just a uh, like it was a cultural thing because it was yeah exactly that like I mean these people are are you know slicing throats and doing all this stuff but they're culturally Catholic you know exactly yeah. what you're saying no I've been uh, I've been um, kind of mentoring a, a person lately and we were just talking about um, reading through Matthew chapters five through eight which are the Beatitudes and I was kind of expressing to him that like in this section that Christ was really talking about. Um, not seeing it as a checkbox like it's not a religion it's not a cultural thing that you should be doing um and that's what it had turned into uh, at the time of Jesus' teaching and i would say it's still that way today mm-hmm. but his whole point was that we're not supposed to be like that we are supposed to be living by faith and active in it and it's not just something that we we check a box and say that we do for for kudo points with other people yeah yeah the brownie brownie points. Yeah, well, it's part of that whole community thing, right? I want yeah, yeah. to belong to this community, but I don't want to necessarily put my faith in God. Yeah, um, I asked you about this earlier, but I wanted to dig in a little bit more. You you alluded to it. I wanted I wanted to talk about. So, as Christians, we a lot of the things that we go through are very like practical and logical, and even like applicable in in a lot of today's sense. Even from the Bible's perspective, there's a lot of good historical data but there's a lot of like personal like applicable encouraging things as well um and you talked about two subjects you talked about um how that works in terms of like using the bible to to mitigate or to remedy anxiety and things like that as well it's a little bit of a foreshadowing but i'd love to hear more about your story about how you transitioned from being a teacher into uh into a business owner yeah so so going way back to the earlier part of that conversation, when I was getting ready to uh, wrap up my college career and realizing that water polo wasn't going to be uh, anything that I could really um, survive off of, I looked into the most logical you know, move from that point would be become a teacher and a coach and do that in combo. And so I spent some time in prayer about it, but like I said, I never really had a plan of what I want to do for a living growing up, so it's kind of just a... Just a pipe dream at that point. And so I, I, I laid the groundwork for getting into the teaching credential program and um, did my applications through Fresno Pacific and I got approved. And then, Shout out Pacific. Yep. And then got uh, got my, set, my first set of schedules. And I just remember that literally everything I was doing in my life that was bringing me joy conflicted with every class I had that semester for my credentialing program. And it was like, man... I have to like give up my entire life to go right here right now. And so I prayed about it. I, I walked out of the admissions office and just started praying about it. And um, in the middle of my prayer, I get this phone call and, you know, did the whole, excuse me, God, but I'm going to take this phone call. We'll, we'll, we'll pick this back up here in a second. And I answer this 
um, phone call, and it's actually the uh, HR from Central Unified saying that he heard I wanted to be a teacher, he heard that I wanted to be a water polo coach, and that they were strongly looking for a water polo coach, and basically um, they would look into kind of an emergency credential situation where I can come work immediately while getting my credential. And so... Shout out Central Unified. Yep. <laughs> but I wouldn't say there's a lot of answered prayers in my life, but that was definitely definitely one that I was like, okay, clearly God wants me to go this direction. And so I went forward with it. Um, I did the credentialing program, coached, and had a really good time, um, connected with some of the teachers. Um, I got to obviously interact with a lot of students there, uh, starting out in the high school age groups. And then um, once my credential actually cleared, I got placed in a middle school group. Uh, seventh and eighth graders teaching English, and I'll I'll say it again. Like you know, if anyone asks, I really enjoyed the kids. Um, a lot of people freak out when they hear middle school; they think you know the worst. Oh yeah. But to me, it's it's the it's the best age because they still have a lot of their innocence and that kind of wildness that comes from being adolescents. Mm-hmm. But they're starting to also mature and find themselves and um, just develop their personality a little more. And and you can have adult conversations with them. And so that was, that was a fun experience with the kids, but teaching itself, um, isn't everything out, isn't everything that I thought it was made out to be. There's a lot of, uh, backend work. Um, you know, I hate grading, <laughs> not going to lie. Yeah. I was looking for that chat GTB or whatever to start grading my, my essay papers for me. So I didn't have to do that work. Oh man. Um, if you would have just waited 12, I know. 15 more years. I know. <laughs> well, funny you mentioned that because it's like you you take your lunch breaks and go into where all the teachers are having their lunches. And it's like every day the teachers I was around were talking about like, oh, man, I only have 10 more years so I can retire. You know, I have, oh, I'm, I'm going to retire in five more years. And I'm sitting here thinking I got 35 more years of doing this before I can retire. And it, it just started to get real depressing. And I'm sure everyone's had that teacher in high school that hated their job and it was miserable going to their class. And I said, I don't want I to ever, think of a few. Yep, yeah. I don't want to, I didn't want to ever be that kind of teacher. And so as I was starting to get really um, anxious and kind of depressed about being in that atmosphere, I kind of, I started making an exit strategy to get out of it and um, save myself from all that turmoil, but also um, potentially saving students from having a really crappy teacher who didn't care about his job. Mm. Was there was there a an event or a moment where you felt a sort of shift, um, or was it just kind of gradually over time where you started feeling some weight, or or how, how did that how did that look for you? Um, there was a lot of little factors that built up, but the final straw. There was, um, you know, I was supposed to be in a certain classroom coming back, so I had prepped it the year prior. That way, I didn't have to do any work like the week before school, and. Um, like the day before school starts, I get a notification that my classroom assignment had changed. And the teacher that got my classroom had already gone in and like boxed all my stuff up and moved it. So I was like, what the heck, man? You could have called me and not touched my stuff. But I went and did it and, and moved classrooms. And I couldn't find a handful of books that I bought because I created like my own little library for kids to check out and read books. And I bought books that maybe weren't available to them and Good quality books, the Harry Potter books, the, you know, 
a bunch of those are the the series of unfortunate events books, which are great middle school age books. And they went missing and I had a first period prep. So what I would do to show that I was actually on school at time is I would check in with the office just so they knew I wasn't coming in late because I didn't have to be there, you know? It's like a punch card almost. Yep, yep. Because yeah. the teaching atmosphere is pretty lax about that kind of stuff. Kind of crazy. But as I was doing that, the office lady there was like, hey, um, this teacher called in sick and the sub can't get here in such short notice. So can you cover the first period class? And what they would do is they'd give you a comp hour for covering a class. So cover eight classes, you get a comp day off paid and they can't say no. Like you, you, when you want it, you get it. It's nice. So yeah, I started, I started seven classes like every morning, (laughs) but one of them happened to be in that old classroom and a student needed a Kleenex and I couldn't find any. So open a drawer and when I opened it up, all my books were hidden in that drawer Mm. and I was like, she stole them. And I was like, screw this. I'm out. So during that uh, prep period, or not prep period, but I was subbing for that class and they were just doing their paperwork, I started designing logos for a full company. <laughs> Did you, so, okay, that's that's an interesting, like, point. Did you, because of your, like, experience with, you know, water polo and swimming and things like that, was that kind of... Unrelated. Uh, unrelated? Unrelated. So what, what was the what was the desire or what was the idea, how was the idea of owning a polo company, like, even born? My stepdad's you? a landscaper. Okay. My mom's a teacher. Okay. My mom would get pink slip periodically just when they were doing budget cuts, things like that, even if she'd been teaching 10 years. And um, especially about 09, 2010, when when things in the market really crashed and they started doing that a little bit more. Um, that's right when I was getting into college. So so my stepdad was like, you know, you should, you should learn to do something with your hands so that you have a fallback plan in case teaching doesn't work out. And I said, oh, you want me to do landscaping? He's like, Oh, heck no. It's too hard. Do something easy. like Massage he therapy. Goes, he goes, oh, I see those pool guys. They're in and out in 30 seconds. Be one of those guys. And so he actually was renting a, a spot to park his trucks for him, a pool company. And he contacted their, their manager and asked basically if he would kind of let me shadow him. So I worked a whole summer without being paid just to learn what it was about. Took a lot of notes and then started with 10 pools. And I, I actually serviced those pools while I was in college, serviced those pools while I was teaching. So the first three years that I was teaching, I was also working pools on the weekends. And like I said, as I was getting frustrated with things, I hit the point where I was matching my teaching income with my pool work just from weekends. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh man, I can just I can just work weekends. Well, I would obviously change the date so I didn't have to work weekends, but and you didn't have I'd to work even- two days a week and make the same amount of money. And you didn't even have to do a comp day, huh? Nope, no comp days. <laughs> but um, I'd say the one short sight of things is that I didn't really plan for the fact that I did have dual income at that point. Mm-hmm. So when I quit, I, I lost half my income for a bit. Ah, but, yeah. You yeah. get accustomed to the lifestyle. Yeah, a little bit. But it, it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Um, and we don't have to get into this in detail, but... Um, one of the stories that you shared with me was the first time that, and you, you know, we can we can take this out if you if you want to as well. But you you talked about like there was a point where you just felt this weight or this anxiety and this sort of panic attack. Um, are you comfortable sharing? Any oh yeah, of that, that. Yeah, I don't mind sharing that. Um, I was I was actually working out at a CrossFit gym quite a bit at the time, and 
um, I just kind of felt like I had some swollen feet, so I put on some compression socks. I heard it was supposed to help a little bit. And I get to class, and everything's like normal for the first two periods. But by the third period, man, I'm just starting to sweat and feel like I can't breathe. And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, maybe I'm compressing blood from these compression socks. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in the middle of class, you know, I just take my shoes and socks off. Kind of funny, but I thought that would alleviate some of that. You could just feeling. say you were, you were a hippie teacher, you know? Just yeah. Like, but um, quickly realized that it, it wasn't bringing any kind of relief. So I was like, okay, this is something bigger than just compression socks. And I really thought I was having a heart attack. So called down to the office and just said, hey, I need admin in here immediately. And I didn't wait. I just went out the classroom, started walking myself down to the uh, nurse's office. And then admin came running up and like, what's wrong? I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. You know, I'm going to go in the office. He's like, okay. So he covered the class. I sat down. They took my vitals. She's like, you're fine. I'm like, mm. I don't feel fine. She's like, I think you're having a panic attack. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that doesn't help. <laughs> did, did you did you know what a panic attack was or had you heard of one? Or? Oh, I you know, I've heard of them and I've seen people have them. Um, kind of like migraines too. Like you see people mm. have migraines. But until you experience one, you kind of think they're faking it, right? Dude, that's me. Yeah. You just, you, you you can't understand what the person's feeling because it's all internal. So the same thing with that panic attack, you know, I, I'm literally at the point where I feel like I'm dying internally and on the outside, everything's fine. Mm. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird feeling. Um, you'll definitely have empathy for people once you've gone through one yourself. Right. But yeah, that was, that was a big indicator for me too, that I wasn't doing the job that I should be doing for sure. Yeah. That's it's, it's a, it's an alarming flag, red flag or pink flag or whatever, whatever color flag that, that it is about, you know, that, and maybe there was other factors that were, you know, playing into that too. But like in the circumstance of the environment that you were at, literally being in a classroom and attributing it to, that at the time was was probably pretty huge and pretty eye opening as as far as with all the other factors around you knowing that that's potentially something that you were gonna uh, move away from. Now looking back, how do you feel about the decision you made to move away from education and to become a business owner? I absolutely love it, especially in more recent years. My wife's gotten more involved with helping out, so it's just another avenue for us to continually connect. Mm -hmm. Um, not always positive when you're running a business, but at the end of the day, we have to set aside our business brains and, and reconnect as husband and wife. But, um, it is really enjoyable for me to be a family owned and operated business. And I get to control a lot more. Um, it's kind of weird. You think, and you hear people say like, go into business for yourself and you, you get to control your schedule. That's not necessarily true. Like when the work calls, you have to take it. And if you don't, you don't get paid. So right. you don't really get to control scheduling. I mean, there's often times that I'm working 14, 15 hour days. Um, we're not supposed to work weekends, but I think I've worked every Saturday for the last, you know, 30 Saturdays, um, <laughs> or at least half days. But you still get to control a lot of things. Um, the things that interest me more in the pool world, like I can devote more of my time to that. So not necessarily like that regular maintenance thing, but. Um, learning how to really optimize someone's pool by adding technology to it and pairing it with their phones and pairing it with their Alexa to where 
that customer can just sit in their house and say, hey, Alexa, turn on the pool light and <laughs> bam, you got a party in the backyard. Yeah. Yeah. And it was about two years ago that, um, you know, I really, because I used to say when I first started, I was like, I don't know, I'm not a pool professional. Like I'm just doing service out here. And um, I think I kind of had went to say that to somebody who had literally called for a pool professional to come out and do an evaluation. So it's like, you don't want to hear, oh, I'm not a pool professional, I'm just a service <laughs> guy, right? But it, it just hit me that like, man, I've actually spent the last three to five years devoting my life to this industry and um, getting to that point where I am a professional, you know, in regards to my industry. Uh, I hold a lot of certifications and um, done a lot of trainings and courses that really elevate my ability to bring quality service um, as well as innovating technology to people's backyards. You don't have a personal motto that you can think of, but does uh, Pools Plus have a uh, slogan or motto? Yeah, all your pool needs plus more. Ooh, okay. Yeah, which someone else actually has that as their tagline too. And then um, oddly enough, like one year after opening our business and registering and doing all the paperwork, there's another company that opened up with the same name out of Visalia. Oh, so. No. If you happen to Google me, I'm the Fresno one. <laughs> and I may be rebranding soon just to avoid that confusion. There you go. Uh, but what you could do to stand out above the rest is you can hire only plus size people, you know? So it's like pools plus size. You yeah, can, you, again, can, you can take that one for free. I, I, don't, I don't know how that would go with marketing. <laughs> Consider me your business consultant. No, I mean, thanks for sharing. I, I think that one of the things that you and I have kind of talked about and just, you know, even with that story sharing about moving into being a business owner from education and just kind of the experiences you've had with regard to mental health um, is, is pretty huge. The, the thing is that we as men, we don't talk about this kind of stuff enough. Nope. We don't maybe even at all. And so, you know, I, I, there's, there's a bunch of things that like, you know, as, as I'm, in my 30s now, I, I've talked about this more than I have. Late 30s. Late 30s, yeah, thank you. Uh, I've talked about this more in the recent years than I have ever in my life. And so it's it's probably maybe the sign of the times, but it's also like it's it's a necessary conversation that we have, that we need to have yeah. as men, but also just as just as, as people in general, just talking about this. Oh, yeah, mental health is not gender specific. So, you know, after having that panic attack um, – I didn't really share with anybody about it. Um, I did tell my wife, but didn't really share why. I just shared it happened. Uh And this kind of was the way I operated, right? Things would happen. There'd be literally a physical response to things, but that was obvious to people, but there's no deeper conversation of what was going on in my brain. And so um, when 2020 hit and, you know, we had this global pandemic that was just changing a lot of factors in life for everybody. Um, in our industry, it, you know, supply and demand disappeared. So I couldn't get chemicals to service pools and the price of everything's going up. So I have to charge more. Um, it just added a lot of stress during that time. Mm-hmm. And so I actually, uh, reached out to a therapist and started going into regular sessions, um, just to really offload those things. Because if you bottle it up, um, you know, one, it could lead to a panic attack, but two, it just becomes that consuming thought in your day to day and, uh, you don't live in peace. You live in anxiety, you live in stress. 
Um, the way you respond to people is out of anxiety and stress. So, you know, not necessarily fair to my wife for me to come home and right. offload on her that anxiety without ever diving into what I'm really feeling. Mm. So, yeah, I, I just, she had been doing therapy for a while. I saw the benefit in her and thought to myself, I need to also up my mental game. Actually, uh, I don't know if you see commercials much anymore because of all the streaming devices, but um, <laughs> I, I only get commercials <laughs> from podcasts. Yeah, you know. there you go. Uh, Hulu had a commercial and there's two guys working out at the gym and one guy was bench pressing and he goes, you know, up and then comes down and then he can't push the weight back up. And his spotter just takes off, like leaves him there struggling. And then the commercial ends and then the words come up and it's like, you wouldn't leave your friend with a heavy weight like that. So why, why are you leaving them when they're struggling with their mental health? Mm. And when I saw that commercial, I was like, yeah, I need to go to therapy. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because one event of a panic attack or a feeling of overwhelming anxiety, or in my case, I, I have, I have migraines and I think that's the way my body reacts to stresses and things like that. Um, it's not a one-time event. It's a continual kind of thing, just like every other aspect of of health. You know, with uh, you you have to you have to continue, especially being in your <clears throat> late thirties now. Yep, you have to be a little bit more focused on taking care of your physical health and, and, and things like that as well. And so, if you're not doing that consistently, it you can just easily fall slip through the cracks. You know, in the same way, it's it's a mental health thing. It's like it's almost a proactive approach to to being able to like. Yeah, process and think through and have an outlet. I'm uh, I'm proud of you, man. Thank you yeah. for, for sharing that. And I'm I'm all for it. You know, I encourage everyone to seek um, talking to a therapist. The the one of the reasons why I like it a lot is because most of everybody that I'm in community with knows each other. So uh, I don't really have an outlet to express things that it wouldn't quickly travel around in those communities, and it might not be the you know best for my image, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, um, therapy for me is a safe place, but if people are uncomfortable with therapy, you know, a good friend that, you know, you can trust, it works just as well. You just need to, um, have a place that you can be heard and seen, you know, things that you're struggling with. And, um, oftentimes I leave a session and it's like nothing, nothing was solved and nothing's changed, but I still feel lighter because I know at least somebody sees what I'm feeling. That's huge. Welcome, welcome back. We uh we took a little pee pee break, but I may or may not keep that in. But urinate, <laughs> urinate self. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the meds room. We can talk about urinate. <laughs> exactly. Um, my idea for for each show was to kind of talk about to to get a an, an encapsulated theme, and I don't want to deviate so much from I think the uh, the mental health aspect of things and stay maybe potentially on topic, but. As it, as it relates to your faith, as relates to your experiences in life, what would be a message? This is not one of the part of the question list that I sent you, but I just thought of this right now. But yeah, I'm I'm so good off the cuff. Thanks. <laughs> what would be a message that you would want to have heard either to your for for your younger self or a message potentially with a younger person, a younger person that's in a situation that they maybe don't. Uh, know how to navigate in, in terms of uh, mental health circumstance or something of that nature. What sort of advice would you want to give? Hmm. 
Or maybe I guess I guess it would be to don't be afraid to express yourself, like truly, you know, because um, a lot of times when we're we're hurting for some reason, the outward expression isn't the the actual true inward expression. It's just the the trigger response, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, again, I would say don't be afraid to uh, open up fully and expose yourself. It's it's such a really vulnerable state of mind um there's a torn well song that actually has to do with scripture too so we can we can take it from the song and actually take it back to scripture go go back to the source but to be fully known and to be fully loved it's a it's a really hard concept for us because we are uh selfish in nature Mm -hmm. and we're very prideful and very self-centered but if somebody fully knew me, I guess my fear would be that they wouldn't like me because there's a lot of bad things about me. Mm-hmm. And then if someone fully loved me, then they must not know me because there's a lot of bad things about me, right? So you you kind of navigate this weird spot. But um, in faith, you know, the cool part is that God fully knows us and he fully loves us. So we can come to him in all of our hurts and all of our stress in all of our mental struggles Mm -hmm. and not have to be afraid. But I would, again, encourage younger people or my younger self to have that kind of authentic expressions with just people that you trust. Almost like your innate self, right? Your innate self. (laughs) Yep. I, I half joke about that, but I really think that that's a very important message to to think about that. So, so did you did you know that my parents are uh, divorced? I I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, how does that affect you? Well, that just going into this topic of being your your innate self, mm-hmm. um, you know, having divorced parents and living from one house to the other throughout the week, um, I've always felt like I've had kind of dual personalities. Um, there's one way I'd respond with my dad at his house with my brothers there. And then there's one way I'd respond and act with my mom and stepdad and step family and brothers on that side, you know? And so I've kind of always had this mixed, um, I guess a duality of my personality mm. in some degree. And I think that's kind of normal. I think a lot of people do that. They, they compartmentalize who they are in the different scenarios they are. And I would say that to really express who you are and to be true to yourself. I sent you some some questions uh, ahead of time. I, I told you also we, we may or may not get to them all. But I think we, we've we've had a decent conversation and I want to stay on um, on target with kind of the, the things that we've talked about. But is there anything that you... Um, you personally have either experienced as of late that has been instrumental in your life aside from your, your daily devotions and things that you are encouraged to buy, but have you been into anything lately? Have you read anything or heard anything lately that's been encouraging to you or has kind of stood out? Um, the, the motto or the theme of this show rather is, is a uh, one of encouragement and being able to process a lot of the mental health struggles that we have. And mm-hmm. so if there's anything maybe along those lines that you're thinking of, um, that you want to share. 
or maybe not. Maybe you want to just like ruin this all by by telling me a raunchy joke or something. Yep. Sounds better. <laughs> Sounds easier, right? Yeah. And that's the default that we go to, right? It is, we just that wanna, is we want to not deal and talk about the sensitive stuff, but let's just talk about a fart joke. That's that's which exactly I have my, one. Yeah, that's exactly when my the space default. Is available. I want to I want to talk about that Lauren, fart joke. Close your ears. <laughs> I want to talk about that fart joke, but uh, yeah, my default is to always uh, humor. Root. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a defense mechanism. I'll do it to like diffuse if I see tension in a room or like no. Dude, people Robin that, Williams, man. Yeah. Yeah, he was hurting, but funniest guy you ever met. I I'm not a, a person that that really does well with conflict. I think. And so I use it as sort of a diffuser to, to yeah. in a lot of situations, I think. But so I, my my wife will be the first to tell you that I can ruin any really heartfelt moment with a with a fart joke. Dude, you ever see Ted Lasso? I have not. I've I've been wanting to get into get that, into but... it. Get into it. There, he's he's kind of like that. He he takes every every scenario and makes a joke out of it, and and it's catchy. You like him for it, but. As the seasons develop, you kind of you kind of get a bigger picture of, of what's going on in his life, but I won't spoil it. Um, getting back to um, kind of the question you had there, um, yeah, I, it's hard for me right now. In some aspects, like I don't feel like anything interesting is happening in my life. Um, you know, I just I wake up every day, put my boots on, I go to work, provide for my family, I come home, um, I spend time with them. You know, we do our things. We we go to the lake. We hang out with people. Like like we have a good time and all that. But I just don't feel like there's really any thought provoking, intriguing things going on in life until you happen to have a conversation with somebody and they start opening up about things. Mm-hmm. And then lately, lately, it's really been I don't know why, but there's just been uh, some people coming to my life that start saying, "Oh, well, I've always respected your your view on faith," or oh, I know you're a man of God, like, I'm struggling and I want to talk about these things. And so that, that's really been this whole summer. It's been a lot of conversations with people who are um, either walked away from faith, haven't had faith, or just starting their faith journey and conversing with me about them and, and feeling like I'm a safe place to have those conversations, mm-hmm. which is weird for me because I'm like, I, I don't know either, bro. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm figuring it out myself. I'm still waking up and doing my devotionals every morning and kind of seeing where that leads me. But in terms of like the, the whole, again, the mental health and everything going on, the Bible is a really good place for hope. It's a really good place for healing. It's a really good place to be that authentic self. Like I was saying, mm-hmm. you know, being fully loved and fully known. I can't judge how those conversations go for the other people, but I feel like there's a lot of life-giving conversations happening lately. And when I look back and reflect on them, you know, I'm pretty excited that I get to be part of those things. Maybe that's part of the solution. I think we sometimes we 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 focus so much about a specific um, solution or like this profound um, thing that we. I think one of the beautiful things about life is the putting on your boots every day and just doing it. You know, doing my the theme work. song for this summer has been uh, a Jason Aldean song, which is. Uh, oh, I can't even think of the name of it right now, but he takes the tractor another round. You know that song? I don't. Oh. I'm not I'm not a huge country. Uh, the it'll, only have to, one, it'll have to be the intro song for this podcast. The only the only country songs I know are the controversial ones that... that oh, uh, that, that make the news? That make the news. <laughs> not our small town. Not our small town. Fresno's not <laughs> a small town. No, nope, not at all. 
<laughs> but a lot of people. But that kind of, uh, in the song, you know, it talks about that he um, he gets up, he goes to work, and basically like prays that his crops don't die, because like ultimately at the end of the day, you know, when actually going back to the conversation we had earlier, uh, when I was getting ready to transition out of teaching, um, I was really struggling with it because I felt that God had called me to be a teacher. And I didn't want to like disappoint him, you know, I don't, I don't want to not do what I was being called to do. And I had lunch with a good friend of mine at the time and well, he's still a good friend of mine, but anyways, uh, we had lunch and did he die? No, <laughs> he, uh, he got married. <laughs> eh, same thing. <laughs> uh, but he told me, he goes, Jacob, like God doesn't care if you're a teacher or you're a janitor or whatever. Like he's, he just wants you to trust him. And that always stuck with me. Like, you know, being, being in this pool profession and, and really thriving at this point and, um, kind of specializing in things that not everyone can do. I take a lot of pride in that. And, and it, like in some ways it kind of forms who I am, but ultimately, um, you know, a hundred years from now, the pools that I work on probably won't even be around. They're going to be all demolished and something else. So it's not really a defining factor of who I am. What is, is the way that I carry myself. And so having that integrity uh, in not just my workspace, but my personal life as well, uh, keeping those attributes that are uh, quote unquote righteous, you know, making sure that we're constantly doing the right things. Going back to the, the motto question, I just get reminded of uh, a verse, uh, which is James 1, verse 12, which says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And so I think about, again, you know, mental health aspects of things and just how tough life really is when we surpass those things, when we overcome them, when we move out of a place of hurt into a place of healing when we do the hard work instead of trying to avoid the conflict. Um, you know, at least in my life, I've seen a lot of blessing out of it. And, um, you know, sometimes in the American church today, blessing means like financial gain or like mm -hmm. positive things, but, health, wealth and prosperity. Yeah. But, um, blessings aren't always easy. And sometimes it's a difficult thing, uh, uncomfortable to go through, but, at the end of the day, you're more whole for having going through it. And so I think about that a lot, you know, being blessed by going through trials and it's all for God's glory. Yeah. I mean, it's the analogy of, uh, you know, uh, trial by fire being a uh, refinement process, you know, like the, the, the way gold is shaped and, you know, there are a million analogies that we can think of um, in terms of how the Bible applies uh, our everyday lives. We this this time flew by, and there's a lot. You know, I'd love to continue to talk to you about, but yeah, I mean, I think this is a this is a good jumping off point, and um, I appreciate you coming by. Yeah, um, I absolutely appreciate the opportunity to come out here and just uh, have a conversation with you. Will you come by again? Absolutely. Okay. Let's let's continue this conversation. We uh we didn't even get to half of the fart jokes that we wanted to get into, but Lauren got lucky. <laughs> uh, thanks for for stopping by, and um, I hope that this uh this 
you know, conversation was, was helpful as, as helpful for you just to talk through, um, as it is for me. And I, I hope that anybody that's decides to listen through this, um, it's, it's equally as helpful. Um, these conversations are far too often, um, not had and they are spaced out too long. And so thank you for, uh, you know, giving me the opportunity to, to ask you the questions and, and being a little vulnerable in, in, in answering them. So. Absolutely. Thank you for having me here and asking those tough questions and giving me the space to uh, answer them. I appreciate you, my man. I love you, and, and thanks for uh, for coming through.